I've been thinking a lot about family this year for, our, for probably some obvious reasons. I'm sure you know our situation. You know probably why I've been thinking about family recently, but actually quite a long time ago, that late last year, thinking about what I wanted to be working on for 2022, some of my personal goals, have been focused on family, thinking about family, thinking about the connections that we have in our family. And it's one of the things that actually motivated the series of lessons that we just got done doing, that I just got done preaching, called Training Wheels, that parenting series that we've been talking about, how we as parents should be raising up our kids and the things that we can be doing, as Proverbs 22, verse 6 talks about, leading them to, to know the Lord and have a direction to follow follow him someday. And it's been on my mind, parenting, obviously, but family in general. You know, my role as a member of my family, I'm not just a parent. I'm a child. I'm a cousin. I'm all kinds of connections with the people in my, I'm not a brother. I mean, that was sort of my parents' fault, but you know, I, I, I would love to be a brother, but it's just me. So my, uh, my little branch on that family tree kind of just ends, you know, right there at the end, but it's, all, it's okay. But thinking about family, I think family is so important, and, and especially as we start thinking about putting our hand to the plow, we think about this family tree. We think about our role in our families, and, and if we can do any good work, first and foremost, as we were talking about earlier, in this series, as, as Sean and I started this out, if we can do any good work, it needs to start in our heart first. It needs to start within our own lives, where we work within the field of our heart. The last three lessons that Sean and I did were really focused on these three aspects, which actually map to our goals this year. These three aspects of focusing on the field of our hearts, planting the seed, planting the word of God deep within our hearts, and then just living the kind of daily habitual life of faithfulness that waters that seed and, and allows it to take root. And then eventually stepping back and watching what God is able to do, what God is able to create in us. And this really is the progression that we saw from Luke chapter 8 as we've been studying about Luke chapter 8 and the, and the great parable of the soils and how Jesus says, you know, there's going to there's going to be a seed that falls on a lot of different kinds of ground. And really the question at the, at the output of that, what kind of, what kind of field is your heart? What kind of soil are you made out of? And here, as we start to think about sort of transitioning from ourselves outward, I want to start talking about planting the seed in the field of our families. Now, the last three lessons that we've been focused on really were the we're the only time in this year-long series that Sean and I are doing, the only time where you are going to have any amount of control over what happens. Because you control yourself, or at least you should. At least you, you should have a level of self-control in which when you decide to do something, you know that you can make that happen. You know that you can follow through on it. But as we start to, as we start to plant the seed in the field of our families, as we start to encourage our aging parents, as we start to, to encourage our children, as we've been talking about in our last series for Training Wheels, as we start to work within our families, we have no control over how they respond. And as we kind of 
zoom out in all the rest of the lessons as we're going to talk about working within the field of our church and working within the field of our communities. Again, you have no control over how people are going to respond. And so I keep coming back to the need for us to go to our heart first, to deal with ourselves first, to make sure we're right. And so as we move on from those conversations, let's make sure that we understand that we're going to have to revisit those things from time to time. We're going to have to make sure that, that I have taken care of myself first. I've removed the log from my own eye before I can start working in the field of those loved ones around me. And that includes our families. But we're going to talk about planting the seed in the field of our families. And I just want you all to know, back in February, I think when I introduced this series, I pulled out this little guy. And this is the seed that we were talking about there in that first lesson from Luke 8. This is the seed that we put here on the table and we watched throughout the entirety of the lesson it not grow because it wasn't in the right soil. It wasn't put within, deep within the ground. It never got an opportunity to grow. And I just want you to know that that seed has been in my pocket since, the, since that lesson. And it did not grow into anything when it was in my pocket. We, we have to make sure that we are planting the seed within human hearts. We need to put God's word within people's hearts. And that is really what I want to talk about today, about our families. We need to put the word of God into the hearts of our families. And as parents, we can do that, as we've been talking about in our series. But now, even just looking at all the other opportunities that we have, children, as Sean talked about earlier, teenagers, you have the opportunity to work in the field of your families by encouraging them, by following their example, by honoring your parents, all the ways that you can encourage each other, your brothers and sisters in the flesh. You have an opportunity every day to work in the field of your family. And we all do, I think. We all have this opportunity. So the big idea here in this lesson is that God richly blesses our families when we love him first when we speak about him daily, and when we point each other toward our heavenly home. God is, God is richly blessing families here at Monta Vista who follow him, who put him first. I've seen it. I've experienced it myself. I see it when we, when we talk about him every day. I see it and I experience it when, when we use daily life lessons to point our family members to the Lord. And I see it when we can step back and say, this life is not what it's all about. We're on a journey toward a heavenly home, and that's where we're headed. And that's what we need to see from this lesson, is how God takes care of us as a family when we follow him, when we plant his word deep within our hearts. And so let's start this conversation by looking back at Deuteronomy chapter 6. Of course, if we looked at Luke chapter 8 as sort of the basis for our discussion about working in the field of our own hearts, I think it's appropriate for us to look at Deuteronomy 6 in talking about our families. Our families really are the subject here of Deuteronomy chapter 6 and how we can work within the field of our families. And the first thing that we see here is that we, as a family, are rooted in God's love. That is what we have to be. That is where it all starts as a family, being rooted together in the love of God. And of course, as we, as we start here, we know that God builds the house. Of course, Psalm 127, verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. We know that God is the center of our home. We know that he is the bedrock. He's the foundation of our home. And of course, here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, we read, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart 
and with all your soul and with all your might. You know, it's sort of cheating to, to use this verse, I think, and apply it to the family because you can use this verse and you can apply it to everything. You can use this verse and you can apply it to every relationship you have with anyone ever. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. This is the first and great commandment, as Jesus said. And on this commandment and the second great commandment hang all the law and the prophets. We see how important it is to start with a love for God. And in our families, together, we are rooted first and foremost in God. We focus on him. We put him first. We trust in him above all else. God is first. And as he's going to talk about the family here going on and how we share these things with our family, how we encourage our family with this truth that, that the Lord God is one. As he's going to go on there to talk about this, the foundation has to be established that God is at the center. And in your family, every day, as we're going to talk about in a little bit, every day, you can make God the center of your home. You know, it's so easy for us to make all kinds of other things the center of our homes. It's so easy for us, as we talked about in our training wheel series, to maybe be a, 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 a hunting family or a soccer family or a camping family. But we need to be the Lord God's family, first and foremost. That needs to define who we are. God is the one who builds the house. He is the one who roots our family tree deep into the ground. And unless he's at the center of it all, then we're building on a, on a faulty foundation. But we need to also stand together as a family. When you individually stand in the Lord, whether you're a child in your home, whether you're a, an, an aunt or an uncle or a niece or a nephew or a grandparent, great-grandparent, when each individual member of the house stands firm in the Lord, then we can stand together. As Joshua would say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's nothing more amazing and gratifying than a family who stands together. There's nothing more sad than a family that's broken, that is not able to stand together or who can't stand together. And as, as Joshua would say there, courageously, confidently, we're going to serve the Lord God. You, you all can figure out who you want to serve. You all need to figure out who you want to serve. But we've already made our decision as a family. And we're serving the Lord. And that's how we should be in our families. And that doesn't just come from the top down. It should absolutely come from the top down. It should come from the parents in their homes to their children. But you know what would be so much more amazing? If the children were able to stand up and say, we stand together with mom and dad, with the Lord. And that, that should be the unity that we have in the home. But let me just stop as a caveat maybe here and say that I totally understand that this is not reality for a lot of people. A family does not have to stand together united to be a family that's blessed by the Lord. The Lord can bless a family even when only a few Maybe even one person in the home is standing for him. And so I don't mean to exclude anyone here. I don't mean to make anyone feel bad when you think about your own family life and you say, well, I didn't have a very good family 
growing up. I didn't have a very good childhood growing up. I don't have a good relationship with my family. That, that happens. But the Lord can still bless you as a member in your home. And he can still bless you to do important and good things within your home. And so hopefully, someday we could have this ideal where we all stand together as a family. But there may be a point. There may very well be a point when we have to follow Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 through 37, where Jesus tells us that it's time to stand against our family. When we stand for the Lord first, we will be willing to do, as Jesus said in Matthew 10, do not think that I have come to bring peace on the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword, for I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a, mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Is this shocking to you when you read this from Jesus? When you read these words, is this surprising to you? I mean, a lot of us know that Jesus was not afraid of laying the gauntlet down, right? But think about what he's saying here. Think honestly about what he's saying here. Your enemies will be the people who you are closest to. That is a hard reality for a lot of people to accept today. That is a difficult reality for a lot of people to, to wrap their minds around and to come to grips with. And there are many people here today who have had to do this exact thing, and you have struggled with the pain of what this means for you. Jesus is saying, if you're willing to stand against your family when they stand against him, then you are worthy of him. He is proud to stand beside you when you are willing to stand against your family for him. And unfortunately, that is not the reality of so many people. I have heard brothers and sisters in the Lord who stand up for years and years and talk a very good game about how committed and dedicated they are to the Lord. But when their son or daughter falls away from the Lord and they go following after the son or daughter and leave the Lord's side, it is a shame that they are no longer worthy of Jesus. It happens because family is such a powerful draw. And some people will do more in the name of their family than they're ever willing to do in the name of Jesus. And we need to be the kinds of people who, when we get to work in the field of our family, when we start planting the seed in our family's life, that Jesus comes first. That the Lord God, the Lord, is one. And we love him more than all else. And so may the Lord bless us with families that can stand united together in him. But may the Lord bless us if we have to stand apart from our families as well. And so we, we look to this moment where we can be rooted together. But then we also need to understand, I think from Deuteronomy chapter 6, as we move on here, from this great powerful commandment that's given here, we need to understand that we have a daily influence on our family. Every single day we have an opportunity, whether we're a son or a daughter, a daughter-in-law, a grandchild, a grandparent, whoever we are in our families, we have an opportunity to influence 
those people who were closest to you every single day. And that's what he goes on to talk about here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 to 9, that really, this is no one else's job. This is nobody else's responsibility. And there's so many times where it's easy for us to deflect, right? You know, I don't know if you've ever seen The Matrix, but you ever see how he like dodges the bullets, right? And that's kind of what we do with responsibility sometimes. We're like, someone else will take care of it. Maybe the preacher will take care of it. Maybe the elders will take care of it. Maybe the Bible class teachers will teach my family and take care of them. Well, no, it's your job. Because notice what he says here in this great passage, moving on in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. He says, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. I'm going to emphasize the you's and yours here. Just notice how many times he's, he's directing this right at you. And you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as, as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, he may have been speaking more broadly to the congregation of Israel, but I think it's pretty clear that he's getting down to, to the individual parents, the individual members of the household here. You have a job to do, and that job is done every single day. That job is not just a job that we do once a year. It's not a job that, like, okay, well, it's January 1st, so let's have our Bible study now. This is a job that happens every day. It's a conversation that's ongoing all the time. In every situation you can find yourself in, whether you're going here, whether you're going there, you're sitting, you're up in the morning, whether you're a morning person sitting at breakfast or an evening person, you know, burning the midnight oil, you have an opportunity to talk to your family about the Lord. Talk about the love that you have for God. Talk about how much you, you value him and put him in the first place of preeminence in your heart. Talk about that all the time. And of course, in Ephesians 6, verse 4, you know, we're not supposed to, to aggravate our kids. We're not supposed to push them too far, but we are supposed to raise them in the discipline and in the instruction of the Lord. And that's an everyday job. And unfortunately, it's no one else's job. It sure would be nice if I could outsource that job. It sure would be nice if I could just be a really good delegator and let everyone else take care of my kids or let everyone else take care of, of being a good son and taking care of, of his parents or whatever. It, it would be nice if we could do that. But that's not what God wants at all. He wants us focusing on taking care of the things we can do every day. And that's a daily opportunity we have to influence our family planting that seed deeper and deeper within their heart. But you know how contagious holiness is? I love how, you know, you think about, especially in the pandemic, as, as we've been getting stuck at home, and, you know, one person gets sick, and they start sticking swabs up their nose and all kinds of things, and then everyone in the house is like, well, we got to stay home too, because we know how contagious things can be. Even before COVID, you know, in a house with a, with a teacher, and a lot of you have teachers in your own houses, like the kids at school get sick, that comes home and you just have a petri dish in your house of all kinds of illnesses and diseases. It's surpri I'm surprised the CDC doesn't just camp out at our house, you know, because people are always sick and things are always happening. And as contagious as a virus can be within your own home, how much more contagious is holiness? How much more contagious is living a life daily that is focused 
on the Lord God. And I love 1 Peter chapter 3. I love how Peter turns his attention, as I think Sean kind of talked about in his lesson about, uh, about Jezebel. You know, really, the opportunity that a good woman can have to influence positively her home. But Peter here in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, turns his attention to wives. And he says, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. And then he goes on to talk about you know, not letting your adorning be external, but really the inward person of the heart. And the focus here is that you, know, you as a wife have an opportunity, even if your husband isn't faithful to the Lord, you have an opportunity to influence every day by your decision to just conduct yourself with grace and honor. When you love the Lord your God, when you trust in him, when you put him first, no matter whether your husband ever may come to know the Lord, you're giving them the best possible shot that you can. And I've seen this happen so many times. You know, not just with wives, but with kids, with, with cousins, with aunts and uncles, with all kinds of people, brothers and sisters, all kinds of people who can sit down and just live a life of holiness and let that be seen. And it is contagious. Now, some people are going to be the you know, inoculated against all kinds of viruses, heart. You know, they're going to be the, the stony, rocky ground, the thorny soil. Some people are not going to receive that. Some people are not going to turn to the Lord from your example. But what if they do? Maybe they will. And it, it's definitely a possibility. We need to just let our lights shine. As Sean was talking about in that first lesson, you as teenagers, you all have the opportunity to let your lights shine, right? Maybe even more now in the dark, dark world that you all live in, right? The, the darker everything gets, the more you have an opportunity to shine. And maybe that'll impact your family. And for us as parents, for us as older people, as seasoned disciples, we have an opportunity to let our lights shine and, and let people see our influence every day. But let's be really clear that this is about sincerity, and not just some big dog and pony show that we're putting on for people. This is not just some performative act that we, that we try to let everybody see how amazing we are as a, as a member of our family. This needs to be sincere. It needs to be true. Because I cannot tell you how many people have left the Lord because they have seen hypocrisy even in their own home. And that's unfortunate. It's unfortunate when... when a son or a daughter causes their parents to fall away because of their own sins. It's unfortunate to see you know, a, a parent who just blows up their entire home because of their sinfulness, no matter how long they've been saying that they follow the Lord. And I think that's a lot of what Paul's saying in Romans chapter 2. Paul is trying to encourage, well, really the Pharisees, really the, the religious leaders, but I think it applies to us too as family members. He's trying to encourage them to be sincere when he says, You then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law, for as it is written, the name of God is blaspheme among the Gentiles because of you. Our family is going to see what we do. It's going to, they're going to see how we live. They're going to see that, that we're 
we're here worshiping the Lord God. They're going to see that, that we bring up the Lord in conversations. They're going to see how we talk. They're also going to see whether or not we're sincere. They're going to see our actions. They're going to watch what we do. And if the actions don't match with the words, they are going to be further and further from following the Lord because of our choices. So we need to make sure that every day, it's not just about putting on a show. I mean, I don't know anybody who could, who could put on a show for everyone else in the world. I mean, there, there are plenty of people, of course, who can, who can fool everyone else in the world and who could also fool their family. Because your family sees a whole lot more than everyone else does, for better or for worse. So we all have an opportunity in our homes to be, to be sincere, to let people see that this is who we are. This isn't just what we do. This isn't just a show that we're putting on. This is who we are. And when we teach something, it means that we're, we believe it fully and that we're following it also. Not to say we're perfect, by the way. I just want to throw another caveat in here. You know, we're all going to fail. We're all sinners, right? So don't feel like you have to be a perfect member of your family all the time. There will be times where you have to just sit down with the family and say, I messed up. And isn't it great how family, if, if you're close with your family, isn't it amazing how your family can just gloss over those things? You know, I have said some dumb things in my life to my wife, and I am shocked every day that she has just moved on and forgiven me. I mean, she's the most patient person I know. So that's, it's amazing how our family, because they know us, because they're close to us, are willing to forgive us and give us grace like that because they're invested in us. And so, let's move on here, because daily influence is so important, but we also have an opportunity to pass our faith, pass this seed of faith, the Word of God, pass it from branch to branch to branch. And that's really the power in the family. You know, if you look at one of the, one of the great sort of minesweeper moments in Bible study is like if you're trying to do a reading plan and you get to a a chapter of the Bible that's like the, a genealogy, right? And you're trying to, like, you're just, it's almost like a slog. Like, you just started running, and now you're in, like, running through mud. You know, because there's so much of a challenge sometimes to get through a genealogy chapter. But when you get to a genealogy chapter next time, and you, as you're studying God's Word, why don't you just think about how important family is to God? Stop for just a minute to think about how important family family is to the plan, the overall story of the Bible, passing our faith down from generation to generation to generation. Why do you think God makes such a point in talking about family and the genealogies and going back generations and generations if he didn't think that it was important at all? Now, of course, a lot of that is in there so that we can understand and know who the, who the Messiah is and where he came from and how he was promised. But all of these family members and all of God's recording of, of the family of Jesus, especially, you know, really points back to how important it is for us to pass our faith down to the next generation. And so we have an opportunity to do that in our families, and we need to be ready for the questions. As we go back here to Deuteronomy chapter 6, at nearing the end of the chapter, actually, we start to see how these questions are going to come up. The questions about why we do what we do are going to come up, and I love this last section here. When your son asks you in times to come, 
What is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and grievous against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. And it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all this commandment before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. Notice his, his, how he starts this section here in verse 20. When your son asks you in times to come, there is going to come a moment where somebody in your family is going to ask you, why are you doing this? Why are, why are, you, why are you going to church? Why, why do you live the way that you do? Why don't you talk like other people talk? Why aren't you so worried about things the way that other people are worried about them? When they ask these questions, you be ready to give an answer. You be ready to stand up and give them a reason for the hope that is within you. You be ready to pass along what you know about the Lord to someone else. And that, of course, is important for our children, but even more so, maybe, for those of our family members who, who may not see us every day. Our cousins, our, our grandparents, maybe our extended family, people who don't see you every day, who, who touch base with you once in a while and say, you know, there's something different about you. What is it that's going on? And when they ask, be ready to give an answer because answering our family members, answering people who are so close to us, who love us so much, can really make a big difference. And what God is telling his servants to do here in Deuteronomy 6 is be ready to answer for why you're doing the things that you do. Why it is that you do these things. And so as we're ready to give answers for these questions, I think we need to be ready to explain why we do the things that we do. Why, you know, for, as a parent, my favorite thing to say sometimes is, well, because I said so, <laughs> right? That's, that's such a, uh, that's a cop-out, right? That's, that's a, such an easy thing to say to our kids. It's like, a, okay, move on, because I said so. Well, that's not what Deuteronomy 6 says. Deuteronomy 6 does not say, well, because that's what God said. Moving on. No, it gives the reason for why we do these things. He gives the reason for why these things are important to us. And I think, of course, that 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, as Paul would commend the Corinthian church here, he commends them because they remembered him in everything and maintained the traditions even as he delivered it to them. The Corinthians had a lot of problems. They had a lot of issues. But one of the things that they did do was they followed the traditions that Paul laid down. They were, they were trying. They were making an attempt. They were falling flat on their face, of course, but they were trying. And as Paul looked to them, he really just had to commend them because they're, they're, they didn't give up. They were still holding true to the traditions that he passed on. But, you know, traditions can be a really tricky thing. And this is why we need to put the Lord God first, by the way. This is why he needs to be the foundation for our for our homes and for our lives, because like the Pharisees were able to do, and like we talked about in our Bible class from John chapter 5, there are so many opportunities 
for traditions to get elevated to the level of truth. And we need to be so, so careful about how important we hold traditions in our lives. Remember Jesus' words to children, actually, in Mark chapter 7. In Mark, cha Mark chapter 7, when Jesus basically had something really negative to say against the Pharisees, he says, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of our God in order to establish your own tradition. Can you hear the sarcasm just dripping off of Jesus' words? You have a fine way of rejecting my words. Whew. And he goes on to say there that, well, they have said, you know, as verse, 20, verse 10 says, for Moses said, honor your father and your mothers, and whoever reviles his father and mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corban that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or his mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and many such things you do. You know, they should have been honoring their parents. They should have been taking care of their parents, honoring them, giving them support and help when they needed it. But what the Pharisees were so good at doing was dodging those commandments and saying, you know what, I'm just going to give everything to the Lord. All this stuff I have is dedicated to God, so I don't need to help my parents. I don't need to worry about them. And Jesus says, because of your traditions, you have set aside the commands of God. And it could be so easy for us in our homes to just follow traditions rather than following the Lord God for the right reason. Traditions are important because we pass down our faith from generation to generation, but let us make sure that we are telling our kids why we do these things. What is the purpose for following God? As Deuteronomy 6 says, we were slaves in Egypt, and he brought us out. He showed us his grace, he showed us his mercy, and he set us free. He wants our good always. And that is why we are careful to do everything that he says. That's the reason. Because he bought us back. And that's my story. As I tell people why I do what I do, I should be willing to tell them that reason. Traditions are so dangerous, but also so helpful. We have to be very, very careful. Have you heard of the pot roast principle? Okay, there's puzzled faces, so I'll explain it. I was just gonna move on if everyone was like, oh yeah, the pot roast principle, right. Okay, so the pot roast principle goes like this. A little kid, a daughter, sees her mother making a pot roast, and right before she sticks it in the oven, she cuts off both ends of the pot roast and sticks it in the oven. And the daughter, of course, like kids are, are known to do, says, well, mom, why, why are you cutting off the ends of the roast? And she said, well, that's how I was taught. That's what grandma always did. And so, you know, trying to guess, maybe they're thinking like, well, you know, maybe it just helps the juices flow through the pot roast or, you know, whatever it is, I don't know. But they're thinking like, there's got to be a reason for this. So she said, go ask your grandma. So the daughter goes and she goes and asks grandma. It's a grandma. I saw mom cutting the ends off the pot roast. Why is mom cutting the ends off the pot roast? And, and grandma says, well, I don't know. That's what, that's what my mom did. And they, none of them have any idea why they're doing this. But of course, they do it every time. So there must be a good reason. And so finally, the great-grandmother, who's in a nursing home, is still alive miraculously at this time. So the daughter 
can go all the way back to great-grandma and ask great-grandma, why on earth do we cut off the ends of the pot roast? And she said, well, my oven was so small that I just had to cut the ends off the pot roast so it would fit. And that's what happens to tradition so often, is we set something up, we do something. You know what? The color of these pews does not need to be blue. You know, and for, forevermore, if the Monta Vista pews are always blue, because that's just what we think they need to be, well, why? And what Jesus is saying in Mark chapter 7 is there are traditions like that that can really get in our way. And we need to know why we do what we do. Not to say that cutting the ends off the pot roast is bad, you just need to know why you do it. And that, that, that's a great example for us to be curious, right? That's a great example for us to, to ask good questions. And we can all help each other to do that. Well, let me just close with this. We need to share our story. You, as a member of your family, when you plant the seed into the hearts of your family members, you need to share your story. You need to find yourself in that story. And that is exactly what we saw there in, in verses 20 to 25 of Deuteronomy chapter 6. We were slaves in Egypt. They were not telling a story about some people long ago who nobody has any connections with. They were telling their story. This is what God did for me. He set me free. And that's why I follow him. Peter, in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, you know, he does the same thing here when he's trying to explain to people, look, this is the reason why we do what we do. This is my story. Peter says, for we did not, in verse 16 of 2 Peter 1, for we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. When we received honor and glory from God the Father, the voice born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice, born from heaven, and we were with him on the holy mountain. When Peter was willing to share his story, when he was sharing his story with, with his readers there, he said, this is what we heard. And you may not have heard the, the voice on the holy mountain, but the Lord God has touched your life. And I don't think you can do anything better than pass that story along, your story along, to your family. Say, this is what God did for me. And that's going to make a huge impact on people, rather than just telling them some story, <laughs> rather than telling them some amazing tale, tell them your story. Pass that along so that they know why you do what you do, why you believe what you believe. And maybe that will impact them someday. And so here in our families, we have so many opportunities. And the question really, are you working in the field of your family? Are you, are you focused on your family and helping them and shaping them and leading them to know the Lord God? There are so many opportunities that we have. And don't think that if you don't see the growth, that you're not doing your part. Because it may very well be that you live your whole life being a good example to your family, and they never follow after the Lord. But after you're gone, maybe, maybe they'll remember what you've done and turn to the Lord for themselves. You never know. And so plant every day. Plant the Word of God. And next month, Sean's going to continue this by talking 
about some things that we can do to entrench those habits, build roots deep down into the ground for our families. And, and there's so many opportunities. And the family may very well be the most important field to any of us, besides our own hearts, the most important field any of us will ever work in. Please take out your songbooks. Turn to the number that's been announced. I'm going to take my seed. We'll bring it back next time. If you're not a follower of the Lord's, if you are not a part of the Lord's family, if you're not a son or daughter by adoption through Jesus Christ's blood yet, then we can make that happen for you today. The Lord God will make that happen for you today. We can just take your confession, we can baptize you in water, and the Lord God will do the rest of the work. He'll do all the work. If you're ready to start that journey with him today, we would love it if you'd begin your walk with him. Please come as we stand.